friends, welcome back to Bet On You Radio, where every episode we have an incredible guest sharing amazing stories to give you the tools, strategies, and techniques you need to bet on yourself and win. I am Ben Whiting here with one of my favorite people on the planet, Angie Morgan Witkowski. Angie, we're decked out in our Nike today. I love Nike. <laughs> oh, it makes perfect sense. It makes perfect sense because our guest today is a running coach for Nike. But I think it only makes sense for us to talk a little bit about exercise beforehand. And I want to ask you, you have run a triathlon. I have. Yeah, that must have been an experience. <laughs> Well, it was really when I was time rich and I was time rich during COVID and I'm not a swimmer, so I'd never really swam in open water. I didn't have a road bike. I had, you know, so I had very limited experience bike riding. And so I thought, what better than to use this time than to learn how to swim and ride a bike on the street? It sounds a little bit simpler. You know, we've been riding bikes and we've been swimming our whole lives. And it ended up being a wonderful growth journey. And I was sore and I was tired and I was always hungry, which is, I guess that's a benefit of it. And, you know, with, with all that, but it was such a wonderful experience. And up here in Northern Michigan, we have one of the half Ironman triathlons in our community. And I remember finishing up the experience and my mom was there. I'm lying on the ground near dead. There's people all around me, bodies, carnage everywhere. You know, I'm looking at the grass, there's cigarette butts, there's chewed up gum. And I look at my mom and I'm like, what do you think of all this? She's like, I had the best day ever. She's like, I got to see all these runners and everybody cheering and I was cheering for strangers. She's like, this is just amazing. <laughs> Good old mom. How did you feel at the end of that experience being on the ground? <laughs> well, I ran with, I did it with my husband and his quote from the experience was, the next time we're going 70 miles, we're driving. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> oh, no, I felt sore and painful, but gosh, you know, that's what I love about athletics. And I know you exercise too. That's to me, it's not about the competition. It's about the intrinsic value you get. I assume that's why you stay fit. Yeah. Well, I did not like running growing up. I was, I was the big sports guy to Taekwondo wrestling football, mm -hmm. but then out of college, I read this book, uh, by Christopher McDougall called born to run. Yes. which, you know, I, I picked up because of the Bruce Springsteen title, but I've said, Hey, you know, it's the holidays. Let's read it. And he kind of gave me the idea and helped me realize that running, you can run just to feel good. You don't have to go fast. When you get tired, you can stop, you know, you can just do it to feel good. And that really kind of is what set me on course and made running a part of my life. Uh, from there, I ran the Chicago marathon. And then I just said, you know, I should take a little break. And then I took about a 10 year break, uh, gained about 30 pounds and now slowly getting back into it. But, you know, we do the best we can with what we have. Yeah, I find, too, the best runs that I have. I don't really race that much anymore. I think the triathlon did me in. I just find the mental clarity I get from a good 20 to 25, 30 minutes out on the road is what I need to feel my best. I wanted to have Coach Jess on today because... She's just an inspiration. And I'm really hoping for the listeners that you may not run, you may not even ever really care to run, but there is something about pushing yourself physically. 
that I think we can all grasp and understand. And maybe it's not pushing yourself physically. Maybe it's pushing yourself mentally. I think we're hardwired as human beings to strive and stretch to test our limits. I'm sure that probably resonates with you too. Absolutely. You know, I can't think of probably a better metaphor than running a race for any goal we want to achieve. And I'm excited to talk to Jess to hear the tips and strategies she has for physical, mental fortitude, and just hear some stories she has about being a coach for Nike. I just can't imagine that's a really, really interesting story. Cool. <laughs> All right, well, let's just, let's get into this thing. Jess, welcome to Bet On You Radio. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks for having me. Oh, just, I have to ask, so has running always been a passion of yours or is it something that you discovered kind of uh, midlife? Uh, it's definitely always been a passion, but definitely um, much different. When I was younger, I was a track and field athlete and I hated running. Um, so I was definitely more on the field side of track and field. I was a mm -hmm. triple for eight or nine years. And yeah, I didn't get into running as a hobby or as a social thing until after college when, um, I don't know, I wasn't really finding my niche or my groove, uh, once moving to New York city out of college. And, um, yeah, it was actually my best friend that got me into it because she was such a huge runner and figured if I wanted to spend more time with her, <laughs> then I should probably <laughs> show interest in her interests and, uh, give it a shot. That is really cool. So I want to go there for a second because from what I've read about you and what others have told about you, it wasn't that you weren't finding career success. I think you're an engineer by training. You were working at NBC. You were on a fast track for promotion, but maybe there was success, but not significance. And there was other passions you were finding. Is that a fair statement? That is a fair statement. I like that. Wait, what was something not significance? What was success, the success not significance? Like you were finding success, but it wasn't hitting you in your heart, maybe. Um, and yeah, there was nothing wrong <laughs> with my job. Um, I think growing up, like when you're told you're good at math and science, you're told to be an engineer. And so that was the career path that I took. And um, yeah, I ended up working at NBC Universal for maybe eight years in broadcast operations and engineering. And um, yeah, like I, I liked it and I was, um, I guess, pretty good at it. But um, yeah, I can't say it was my passion. I can't say that, you know, waking up to get to 30 Rock um, for the Today Show shift at 7 a.m. was like, you know, my dream. <laughs> well. Yeah, I have to ask, what was, was there an inciting incident or a specific moment when you kind of flipped the switch and you're like, you know what, I think I'm done doing this and I'm going to run? It, it wasn't like an immediate flip the switch. There was definitely a double life going on for a while. Um, so yeah, when, when running became more of a hobby, um, I started off pacing for Nike Run Club, which um, like at the time, all of the different stores had their own little run club and on the weekend, um, just going out and helping with the long run every weekend. And uh, like, I was sure getting paid like a little bit of money, but for something that I would be doing anyways and love doing anyways. Um, so it started off doing that on the side. And then um, once more and more opportunities started to come my way, I just felt like it was a, a sign as in, you know, I feel like a lot of people in the boutique fitness industry and in the running and training industry in New York City, like it's it's really tough to get into and find success. And I felt like 
Um, more opportunities with Nike were coming my way and an indoor treadmill studio, Mile High Run Club. And so I tried to do the double life for a while. And once enough opportunities came up, I, yeah, then I made the switch. I love that story because you hear so many people say like, quit your job and change your life. And I think that's an irresponsible way to take a risk. If you really want to transition into something try a little bit, see if you experience success. And when you feel confident enough that that's a viable option, you go for it. And that sounds like that perfectly. It's funny to hear you say that, you know, you didn't really like running and then transitioning to work with Nike. You can see that Ben and I, for those of you who are watching on YouTube, we're like donned in our Nike gear. You've got some Nike gear on. We are like brand crushed. We got the Nike necklace. We got like Nike sports bra on at all times. Yeah. So I am in love with the brand, mostly because when I was running in middle or in high school, they came out with the phrase, just do it. I don't think there's a better, you know, phrase for a brand ever, but that's, I guess, not really my question. So it's interesting, like to hear <laughs> you say that something that you didn't really enjoy and yet you're running and you're finding great success. You must have been good at it. Like, did you know when you we're transitioning into coaching that you're actually a really good runner. Like, how did you discover that? Um, so I actually wouldn't say that I'm a very good runner. And I don't think that you have to be a very good runner in order to be a very good coach. Those are two totally different things. And I think a lot of times we see maybe um, former professional athletes or runners then transition to coaching. And oftentimes some of the best athletes aren't the best coaches. And uh, so I, I think those are two totally different things. I mean, speaking of Ted Lasso before we were recording, I mean, he knew nothing about soccer yet, uh, turned out to be, turned out to be a great coach. So, uh, yes, I, <laughs> it's not that I didn't know anything about running. Um, uh, no, I'm a middle of the pack to back of the pack runner, like compared to a lot of the other talent and runners in New York city and beyond. Um, I think that I found success with coaching in terms of, um, like relationship building and trust and uh, building community and all those different things that make a great coach. And um, yeah, I probably had some, a couple of years of imposter syndrome starting out where I, I was scared that people um, wouldn't trust me as a coach if they themselves were faster than me. Like why would someone hire me as a coach if their marathon time is better than my marathon time? But um after. So I figured if I wasn't going to be the fastest, like I should be at least um, fairly knowledgeable. So <laughs> there's been no shortage of, you know, attending seminars or getting my coaching certification and um, like panel discussions and continued education. So um, never not learning. Uh, but yeah, I wouldn't consider myself um, a great runner. Or a fast I'm a great runner, but not a fast runner. I think you think you could still be a great runner, but not a fast runner. Well, you're coaching these people who, who you know, are running superstars and you're giving them kind of some of the most personal advice you can in terms of their form or their gait or, you know, what they should be thinking about. How do you go about earning someone's trust when you're going to help them change something that's so important to them? Um, well, I mean, it comes from experience, right? Like just starting out, sure, I was coaching groups of people um, with Nike, but with the one-on-one -on -one coaching, uh, I feel like anyone starting off a business, you start off with like friends and family and then <laughs> gain their trust and then it's word of mouth and um, you get more and more hopeful success stories and, um, you know, eventually it 
spreading like wildfire. So uh, I that's like the stereotypical path that I took is definitely starting off with people closest to me and gaining their trust. And um, I feel like I'm just constantly like promoting and showing and highlighting athletes on my Instagram. I feel like the last thing people need to see is me. And so my Instagram hopefully is like, I don't know, 50% me or less. And then more about everybody else because, um, yeah, at the end of the day, I'm a coach for other people and I want to keep showing their successes and their stories. And yeah, no one, no one cares about what I'm doing. So we've talked about your journey to getting where you are, and now let's try to get into some of the nuts and bolts of coaching itself. Because I know we have people listening today that maybe want to be coached or want to coach someone else, but would you say there are principles, whether it's running or really any skill, uh, that you think makes a good coach? I think the number one word that comes to my mind is selfless. So a coach needs to be able to put all of their athletes first. So if you yourself, uh, as a coach, for, in my example, I'm also a runner. Um, but when it comes to coaching, if something comes up, like my workout is the last is the first thing to get cut, right? Like it, this is not about me. It's all about the runners and like their needs and their schedules and their runs and phone calls and and all of that. And so, you really have to be selfless and not in this for. Um, not in this for clout or for likes or for whatever your other reasons are for becoming a coach. Um, I feel like the most successful coaches, uh, whether they have the most followers or not behind the scenes, the most successful coaches are probably the most uh, selfless people. I can definitely hear that with, with some of the stuff you're saying, if you were going to brag about how humble you were, what would you say? No, I'm, I'm just <laughs> with you. <I'm> just sorry. <laughs> that, that's a great question. And I love your look at your face, Jess. I would like to hear from you because I, uh, I've been a lifelong runner. And a couple of years ago, I went through the process of being coached. And I'll have to say, like, I had a pretty fixed mindset about running. Like, I'm good at this. I don't need help. And then it was game changing. It was They gave me a new lens to look at performance through. Do you have a coach? Because you run ultra marathons. You run, you've run tons of races. Like, have you been coached? And what do you value in a coach? Yeah, of course. I feel like um, everyone needs a coach, right? Even coaches need coaches. And people hire coaches for different reasons. It could be performance-based, right? Like you're training towards a specific time goal. And so you have that coach helping you towards that specific time goal or distance goal. But a lot of people hire coaches just for accountability, right? Like it could be you're not even training for anything and you just need someone to put a schedule together and know that someone is going to be looking at it at the end of the week to see if you did X, Y, or Z. Like sometimes people just need to be, uh, they just like that accountability. And so that's definitely one of the reasons why I need a coach is for the accountability for sure, especially if I don't have a race in the immediate future. I give people a lot of credit who can um, go out and run two, three, four, however many times a week. And it's just for fun and not not like towards a specific goal. So I need the accountability. And then uh, my coach, Julie Leisure, she has a very niche skill set of like these multi-day, maybe more extreme adventure races. And um, that was 
the last uh, couple of races that I got into and I didn't have any experience in that. And so I definitely wanted someone um, like an endurance athlete that has done some of those weird uh, multi-date races that I didn't have any experience in. What, out of curiosity with the, uh, with those multi-day races, cause I think, you know, a, a lot of people listening to this aspire to <laughs> run a 5k, uh, let alone a half marathon, let alone a regular marathon, let alone an ultra marathon. I think I looked on your website and seen that you've run, you know, hundred mile races. What is the main kind of mindset difference you would say that is different, differentiates that from a regular marathon where you might have your wall at 18 or 19 or 20 miles. I mean, but no one talks about what's happening at mile 74. Uh, I think racing a marathon is a lot harder. I tell people that ultra marathons are like the lazy runner squad. I'm, I'm just like a lazy, old, retired runner. And ultra marathons are a heck of a lot easier than uh, racing a marathon very fast or racing a 5K very fast. If, if you asked me, would you rather like race a 5K or run 50 miles in the woods? Like I would always pick the 50 miles in the woods. Um, I think that they are equally hard and just a, they're all different types of hard. So it's kind of like, what's your, I don't know. It's like, pick your poison. What's your version of weird that you, that you like the most. Um, so it's a different mindset because you're likely not chasing a time goal. Of course, like the, uh, elite runners, the front of the pack runners, like, you know, they're chasing a podium and they're chasing time goals. Um, but I feel like with ultra marathons more so than any other distance, it's less about the time and more about, um, just finishing and more about, you know, problem solving and strategy and because something is going to happen along the way, whether it's like you forgot your drop bag and now you have to figure out how to make it 10 more miles until you see an aid station again, like something is going to happen. And so it's just a different type of hard and different type of weird. Um, but I don't think it's like any more or less hard than a 5k or half marathon. We, we may disagree on that one, but I will take your word and I believe you entirely for that. I would love to hear from you. Just you talk about these weird, wacky races and different goals for each, whether it's time or just completion. What was one of your most favorite run races that you've ever been on? And I'd love to hear a little bit why. I would say my favorite race was, and it's at the expense of sounding obnoxious, my favorite race was the 300 miles from LA to Vegas because it was so different from anything else I had ever done. And it was five and a half days where I could be like selfish and only, <laughs> and only focus on like that one task at hand, which was getting from point A to point B, no worrying about anyone or anything else. And it was just five, five and a half days of, um, just nothing but point A to point B. And I was with an RV full of friends helping me with every step of the way. And it was such a unique experience that I don't, even if I did that same race again with the same people, I don't think you'd be able to recreate that experience because it was such a new first time, never did anything like it experience. And so that was definitely my favorite. So you have given us some really kind of interesting like mindset tips in terms of long distance running, like, you know, just kind of taking things as they come, being present in the moment, 
What lessons from running have you learned that you've been able to apply to other areas of your life? Ooh, um, okay. I just top of mind, I'll probably think of a better answer later, but there's definitely um, no shortage of mental toughness, like techniques or practicing that, that you can do during your training and during the races themselves. And um, it's definitely a hot topic right now. And a lot of studies have been coming out about mental toughness and trying to define it and how do you practice it. And um, I think it's pretty cool that it's not something that the pro runners or elite athletes uh, are just inherently born with. This is something that they have also practiced, just like practicing um, your fueling, practicing, you know, strength training, like practicing mental toughness um, is another skill that you need to practice. And um, whether it's, there's different ways that you can do it, but um, I usually go with as corny as it sounds like the, the power of the positive mindset and um, like en endurance racing is definitely all about how long can you play mind games with yourself and you're, you're out there for a long time and in your head for a long time. So as soon as you start slipping into something negative, like this is hard. I want to quit. My leg hurts. Like you're just, you're just like dead in the water. It doesn't matter how physically fit you are or how ready you are for the race. As, as soon as you start dipping into that negative mindset, um, you're likely to not finish. And so I think that, you know, those techniques or those lessons learned, like you can apply those to things outside of running easily. Like you could, any kind of life obstacle or job change or like boyfriend breakup, whatever it is, it's mental toughness is all about how you handle obstacles that come in the way of your success. And um, that just doesn't only apply to uh, athletics and sport. I, there was a quote in the Marine Corps that we used to talk about all the time is that your mind's going to quit on you before your body will. And that was a powerful reminder of just how much capability our mind has over influencing our performance in general. So I want to go when you're on an ultra marathon or you're in like maybe even the midst of a really difficult week. And so outside of running, what are the things that you do when you feel tired, when you feel exhausted? How do you apply some of these lessons? What are your simple practices or tactics? <laughs> well, the number one thing is I survive on a lot of naps. That's, that's for sure. <laughs> when, we're, when we're tired or like, yeah, when all else fails, I feel like a, a good nap fixes most things. Um, but yeah, other than, you know, the, the positive mindset technique, um, it's just a lot. Well, I guess it's kind of similar, but it's all about flipping your mindset and one of my favorite quotes um, from a book called How Bad Do You Want It is like there's something positive that can come out of the fed up mind state. So a little bit of healthy wrath and a little bit of being fed up and like angry about something. You can use that little bit of I'm fed up and like pissed off and frustrated to fuel positive change. And so, yeah, I, all of us are motivated by different things. That's for sure. And, um, having like a little chip on your shoulder or being like frustrated with something is, uh, you, I use that 
as a fuel for positive change rather than like, you know, getting into a darker and darker place. <laughs> oh, that's so that technique of just realizing, you know, what is your motivation to get into a positive uh, mindset? Are there any other like you've been using the word techniques like positive mindset techniques that people listening could apply when they're frustrated about anything? Um, yeah, I keep calling it like techniques or tricks because it like they call it training your brain. Um, and so, uh, like with the positive self-talk, it's honestly, even if you don't believe the words that are coming out of your mouth, the more and more that you say it, your brain is going to believe it and your body is going to respond to it. Even if like you yourself don't believe it, uh, like, so it, it, for example, in the speed project, um, we would see maybe like a, a, a big climb coming up. And instead of being like, oh my God, another hill, we like turned it into play. It was almost like, oh, great, another hill. Like, let's break out the trekking poles. Like we're going hiking. Like, and so, it, it, yes, it sounds like silly, but um, the more that you say it, like I knew that wasn't gonna be like actually fun, <laughs> but, <laughs> Like, you don't even have to believe it, but like your body will start to uh, respond to it. Thinking about how to apply this technique like Monday morning, right? Like I get to go to work today. Woohoo. Yeah. <laughs> so just, um, I would be curious for you because you do train a lot of athletes um, and, you know, people who are aspiring athletes and they may not call themselves that yet. But so imagine that you plan, you prepare, you sacrifice, you work on your goal, you go to a race and you just bomb. I'm sure that happens to a lot of people all the time. I know that I've bombed plenty of things, even though I felt I put the preparation in. What do you do then? So again, this could be work but or running, but I imagine this has so many different applications to greater life. So what happens when you deal with failure in your performance? Yeah. First, I wouldn't call it failure. So that would be like step one. Um, so with, with racing, I know it is very easy to get like very hard on yourself and down on yourself when you've spent so much time and effort and sacrifices and like, I don't know, giving up family time or whatever to go out on your workouts, your long runs, whatever it is. And then race day itself maybe hands you uh, a bad set of cards, but I try and remind my athletes that race day itself is just like a single moment in time, right? So you have to be able to find success as many ways possible. And maybe you look back on your training and you're like, you you still had these 12 weeks of great training. You went from like your first workout ever being run walk all the way up to even just being able to complete this half marathon. Like, yeah, maybe you didn't hit your time, but you just have to look back and remind yourself that there were successes along the way, even if like race day itself wasn't deemed a success. Um, and then another way to look at it, like sometimes, I mean, it's just un you just have uncontrollables and the race could be like 80 degrees and humid. And then maybe that's why you didn't hit your goal. So, um, not really finding, I'm not like saying find excuses as to, as to why it went wrong, but there's, you just can't put all of your eggs in one basket and judge success 
and measure success by just that one day and just that one time goal. Like you have to have maybe like some other goals or other ways to measure success along the way. So it's not all hinging on that one moment in that one day. Oh, what you just said about making sure we don't measure success just by one day. We can't put all of our eggs in one basket. We have to find successes along the way. I think that is absolutely uh, crucial. What other advice would you have for someone who maybe struggles with uh, a negative mindset? I mean, is it just, I like you, that you said, uh, say it even if you don't believe it because your brain and body will follow. Are there any other techniques or strategies you found that have helped out with that? Uh, maybe with, so with someone who's like struggling with their training maybe, mm -hmm. and, um, yeah. uh, just not really. So I call it like, maybe they're in a running slump. So it's, it's like how to get out of that running slump or that maybe negative spiral that you're on. Um, I guess it kind of goes back to the positive thing where I'll try and find ways to make running fun again. Right. So let's find, okay, if we're just struggling with workouts or fatigue or time goals or whatever, we got to start finding other things or ways to make this fun again. So it might be, okay, let's go on a trail run and still let's get off the road, go on a trail run, like find something completely different, or uh, maybe try a point to point run where you have a destination that you're going to and like a reward at the end, like, oh, I'm going to run to this brewery, I'm going to run to this donut shop. And so it's like finding ways to make running fun again, because if you're not having fun with it, like it, it doesn't matter like how talented you are. Uh, I feel like if you're not having at least a little bit of fun with it, then you're not going to be able to reach, you know, your full potential. So um, if someone is struggling with their running or like a negative mindset, it's maybe like pivoting a little bit, taking a break from this singular focus that they're working on and trying to find ways to make it fun again, whether it's like, all right, I'm going to try group running for the first time. I'm more of a solo runner and I hate running with people. It's like, okay, it's like putting yourself in other uncomfortable situations and then hopefully taking things away from those other uncomfortable situations and having fun with it and then coming back to that um, goal that you were struggling with. Not unlike the episode of Ted Lasso, where Roy Kent took one of his teammates back to the neighborhood soccer field to remind him that the game was supposed to be oh. fun. <laughs> we should just call this Ted Lasso discussion radio. The Ted Lasso happy hour, yeah. yeah. I heard, no, I, it's, I classify it too as I, I tend to call myself a cat runner. I like to run by myself. And if I find myself in a slump, I try to be a dog runner. I'll try to run with other people to make it fun. So that would be my fun little tip. I want to ask you though, I loved the video on your website where it details your ultra marathon, your hundred miler. And you said something in there that really just spoke to my soul. It was, there's not much reward unless there's a serious possibility of failure. I would love to hear from you, Jess. What do you know about the value of pushing yourself hard towards a goal that you think we all should know? Um, I, I do like that quote. And now I've heard it maybe a couple of different ways because um, 
I did recently or last year, my race last year, um, I didn't make it to the finish line because um, I didn't reach the 50 mile cutoff time in time. And so that's where my journey ended that day. And talking to the race director at dinner, either that night or the the following night, he came over to my table, told him what happened, and he rephrased that quote in another way. So I feel like any good, um, uh, I don't know, either entrepreneur, race director, like uh, owner of a big, scary thing. He said, um, like, what? basically, what is even the point of trying if, like, you know that you're going to be successful? Like, what, what, what's the point in, in that? If you know that it's going to be a success and you know that you're going to finish, why would you tow the starting line? Like, what, what what's the fun in that? So... Um, oh my God, I don't even remember your original question. That was just such yeah, a- I think you answered it. That is wonderful. Well, actually going back to that, I mean, that's amazing. Why start something if you know you're going to succeed? It's the joy of the journey. But I was talking about, um, you know, going, what do you know about the benefit of pushing yourself to your limits that we all could benefit from? Like, what do you get out of pushing yourself to, I'll call it total body failure, um, even though you're not really failing, of course, but- but you're not feeling really good. <laughs> what do you, what, what thrill or rush or what perspective do you gain from pushing yourself to your limits? Um, well, I think we talked about it earlier where since I'm not the, uh, the fastest runner, I always thought that I wouldn't really inspire my athletes or the people that I coach, you know, never going to inspire them with my 5k time or, or marathon time. But like the reason why I push myself to do these races or push myself to, like try a different goal or a scary goal is I'm hoping that's my way of inspiring them. Like, Oh, okay. Well, coach Jess tried this, uh, mountain race at the city at the highest altitude in like the United States. Meanwhile, we live in New York city. Like, all right, well, <laughs> she put herself out there and tried a seemingly, um, impossible task. So maybe I should like, try something weird and scary and not kind of stay in my lane in this like box that I've uh, put myself in. So I try and push myself to like, con uh, again, like continue learning about the sport and hopefully apply those lessons learned and be able to pass it on um, to the athletes that I coach. Yeah, setting the example certainly is inspiring to others too. So that's a really great takeaway. Thank you for that. Mm -hmm. Jess, can I just be really practical here and ask a running question? Of course. If we have listeners here who are sitting on the couch, they got the Doritos, they've binged Ted Lasso, they might have had a glass of wine or two, and they're saying to themselves as they listen to this, you know, maybe running is something I should try. What advice would you have for just that person who doesn't have a lot of experience but just wants to get off the couch and do something? Uh, I would definitely say start with walking and there's <laughs> once we've, once we've nailed that, like go out on a hot girl walk. Um, but I would definitely say start with run walk. And the biggest mistake that I see is, you know, people that want to get into running, they go out and they just try and do one, two, three miles, like right off the bat. And it sucks. Like it, it's hard to go from nothing to like trying to go on a 30 minute run, like that's going to be terrible. And so then people end up hating running and this is hard. And why does anybody do this? So I definitely recommend starting off with 
run, walk, and then building those ratios. So maybe starting off with run a minute, walk a minute, you do that for the first week, then you graduate to run two minutes, walk a minute, then you could do fun things like put on a playlist, run for a song, walk for a song. So you're just um, starting off with like smaller bite size, achievable chunks, and then like building on top of it until like, then you're up to like, oh, I'm doing 10 minutes on uh, two minutes off. Like you're basically doing mile repeats at that point. And so right after that, soon after that, you're now onto that 20, 30 minute continuous run and running should hopefully feel, uh, less terrible. <laughs> I like the hot girl walk. That is such a great reference to that hot guy walk, Ben, you could do the hot guy walk. I feel like it's a hot girl walk no matter what. And it's just like you guys are going on a hot girl walk. Can I do like a a tan Pillsbury Doughboy walk. That's kind of what I'm going for right now. <laughs> Come to this time in the podcast where we're going to be talking about our five favorite questions. And Jess, the first one, this is not the hot seat. This is first thing that comes to mind and let's just talk about it. So we love getting recommendations from our guests about books that either inspired them or influenced them. So I would love to hear from you, you know, any stage of your life, a book that just hit you right moment, right time. Got any thoughts on that? It can be a running book. It could be a non-athletic book, just something that really influenced or inspired you. Uh, I, I'm going to have to go back to the How Bad Do You Want It book, um, especially since I quoted it earlier. I think that um, since I was able to get through it cover to cover and found myself like writing down and highlighting a bunch of good nuggets in that book, um, I, I guess it sounds like maybe a more intense book. And you, <laughs> like I said, you don't even have to be a runner or an endurance athlete to learn things from this book. Um, like for example, one of the things he talked about was changing your relationship to um, perceived effort. And there is this analogy that he talked about where if you're walking across, imagine you're walking across one of those hot bed of coals and like the length of that hot bed of coals is like your actual physical fitness at the time and um there's a wall at the end and so it's like how close to that wall can you get and that's like your your mental toughness right like how close can you get to your full potential and so um he talked about yeah changing your your relationship with perceived effort he talked about like that healthy wrath mind mindset um yeah there's just a bunch of good nuggets in that book sounds great i love that healthy wrath and <laughs> that's oh, like such a great so concept i get it entirely just if you could go back in time to your childhood that that girl who did not who ran track and field but maybe didn't love running that much what advice would you give her um it's it's interesting because i've thought about this one before i've had this discussion recently um where sure i would have loved to have known what my full potential was back then you know but maybe i would have grown up hating the sport that it so maybe i wouldn't have gotten to where i am now if i treated track and field differently um as my younger self but I, yes i often find myself thinking like maybe it would be kind of cool if i because i did do it for fun and i was like 
pretty good at the events that I did, but I was by no means like, you know, going to training camps, you know, outside of school or like practicing in the morning before school, before the track practice at night. Like I wasn't um, maybe super intense about it. So it would be kind of cool to go back and see like what my full potential could have been then if I took it, um, I don't know, a little bit more seriously, but then who knows, maybe if I treated track and field that way, I would have hated it and had a completely different path <laughs> to where I am now. That makes perfect sense. I'd love to hear from you just too. Um, can you share a piece of feedback that was offered to you that was really game changing for you? It was probably illuminating. It could be positive. It could be constructive, but a piece of feedback somebody offered you that was game changing. Oh, okay. Okay. Um, I feel a, a piece of feedback that's, it, I'm sure it's something that my, um, coach gave me and, oh, I'm sure I have better examples than this, but one example that comes to my mind was, um, it was during a difficult race and I never like phone a friend during a race, but we were uh, freaking out a little bit and um, someone on my crew team called my coach and I was like, I just, I can't get my heart rate down. Like no matter what I do, I'm not going to be able to do a hundred miles at this heart rate. Like this is just impossible. What, what do I do? I'm walking. I'm trying to have like ice on my back, like nothing's helping. And his advice was, like, you know how you feel. Like, don't, like just don't even look at your watch anymore. Um, you've done this enough. You know what this effort should feel like. You know how you should feel right now. Who cares what the numbers say? Just trust how you feel and trust uh, all the training that you've done and just forget what all of the, like, outside factors or numbers are saying. So it was a pretty cool moment to, like, um, I don't know, almost forget the numbers, forget anything, forget all the watches and things that you have on your wrist and just like, just go by feel like, just like throw the plan out the window. There is no plan anymore. It is now in a dumpster fire and just <laughs> go on feel because that is something that like you yourself know, and you have practiced and like, yeah, no nothing can take that away from you. It's like the force. Feel the force, Jess. Feel <laughs> <Yeah>. the force. <laughs> oh, it's great. So this is, Angie will tell you that I, I tend to sometimes, we call this our five favorite questions, but I tend to make them up on the spot. Uh, yeah. So I'm going to ask you this question. This is the first time anyone's ever been asked this. Oh boy. Give me a favorite moment or two from Ted Lasso, like a lesson you learned or an episode that really stood out to you. Uh, anything from the series? Um, I don't remember what season. I'm going to guess that it was season one. Um, but it was when his little kid said, like, Dad, why does it look like you're not doing anything during the the soccer game? It's like you're just standing on the sideline. Why It doesn't look like you're doing anything. And Ted Lasso said, like, he isn't. Like, during the game itself, um, all a coach can do is trust that everything he has taught them and everything he has shown them has made some sort of impact on them. And now they're going to make the best decisions that they can while they're out on the field. And I was like, Oh, that is such a just good description of a coach. Like, yes, it's like come race day. I'm not like 
running side by side with these runners all 26.2 or however many miles so like on race day itself like that's my super bowl i'm on the sideline i have megaphone i have cowbell and it looks it's like well, what are you it's like jess you're a running coach what are you doing like you're just like standing here with a confetti cannon and it's like well actually i'm, I'm not doing anything on race day itself actually i'm just hoping that everything that I have taught the runners and everything that they've been through has given them the tools to make all the best decisions they can on race day. Fantastic. For those, for those of you, uh, on the radio, you can't tell, but, uh, Jess actually has a Ted Lasso believe sign, uh, in her apartment. The, uh, and obviously, if you haven't watched Ted Lasso, get on top of that right now. <laughs> oh, yay. That is awesome. Last question, Jess, before we uh, get to hear where people can connect with you and follow you on social media. I'd love to hear you offer just some wisdom to our audience who've got big dreams, big goals that may or may not include running. What wisdom do you want to impart to them that you've picked up in life? Mm hmm. I guess we're going to have to come full circle to one of the other questions that you asked is, um, well, okay. So if you have these big goals, um, these big, scary goals, no matter what they are, race goals, life goals, job goals. Um, if you are just looking at that big goal itself, um, it's going to feel not possible. It's going to feel like, how the heck am I going to do this? And so just like in a race, like just like in a hundred mile race, I'm never thinking about it as a hundred miles. You're just thinking about like, all right, five more miles to the next aid station. All right. Four more miles to the next aid station. So if you're chasing these really big goals and, um, like life-changing things, um, yes, good. Have that big end goal, but then like focusing on all these like little successes that you can reach along the way. And then just like keep chipping away at those like more bite-sized tangible um, goals along the way. Great advice. Thank you so much, Jess. For anyone listening who wants to follow you on Instagram, that wants to maybe reach out to you about coaching, how can people find you everywhere and anywhere? Uh, they can find me on Instagram. It is Jess Lynn NYC. So it's J E S L Y N N Y C. Um, and then, or you could head to my website, coachjess.com. Uh, so that's Jess with one S.com. And um, I would say if you would like to run, with me if you're in new york uh you can check out like our friday morning nike runs you could follow brooklyn track club uh come to one of those practices you could follow brooklyn trail club where we leave new york and we hit the trails once a month so lots of opportunities to <laughs> to find me or run with me or uh yeah or train with me well, thank you so much, Jess, for this great conversation. I know for both Ben and I, I can probably say we're ready, man. We're ready to go out there, hit the trails, hit the pavement, yeah. hit those goals. We appreciate your time and your wisdom shared. Yeah, thank you. Wow, Ben, Coach Jess was just incredible. I'd love to hear from you what you took away from that conversation with Jess. Give yourself positive self-talk even if you don't believe it because eventually your brain will and your body will that really just struck a chord to me the idea that talk positively to yourself even if you don't believe it because there's benefit to doing that 
Oh, Angie, what, what's something you picked up from it? Well, she said it really quickly, and I think it was an important point. I talked about the concept if you miss a mark or you have you know, not your best race, that you kind of get a fail. And she was very quick to say, I wouldn't call that a failure. And I loved how quickly she transitioned that is like, we need to redefine what success looks like because inevitably we're going to stumble. Inevitably, it's going to be a not so perfect day, but we need to really measure success not by a moment, but by really the journey. So I thought that was just, I'm like, well said. No wonder you're such a great coach. <laughs> find the successful moments along the way. And when you are done with the positive self-talk, find a way to Ted Lasso it and make it fun. Ted oh, Lasso, good stuff. yes. Ted, now yes. you have to watch Ted Lasso. It's so good. You must. <laughs> you must do yourself a favor. Do your family a favor. Watch Ted Lasso. Follow Coach Jess on Instagram and keep moving, man. Keep betting on yourself. Thank you so much for listening. Take care, friends.